Amazon Books, your weekly program about great reads through book talks, trailers, and first chapters. Presented by Mrs. Winningham and Mrs. Kovach. Hello, this is Mrs. Brown, 7th grade language arts. Today I'm going to read to you the first chapter of Berserker by Emmy Laybourne. So let's check out the back of the book. Ancient powers, strong love, desperate times. 1883. Han would give anything to be free of the ancestral Viking curse that overcomes her when she or anyone she loves is in danger. She becomes a berserker, an elegant, graceful, and shameless killer. When she kills three men attacking their father, Han and her siblings must flee Norway and head to the American frontier on a desperate search for their uncle, the one man who can help Han learn to control her powers. Aided by a young cowboy who agrees to be their guide, Han and her siblings use their ancient powers to survive the perilous trail where blizzards, wild animals, and vicious bounty hunters await. All right, let's go ahead and begin chapter one. October, 1883, Norhensmund, Norway. The hog snorted at the two young trespasser trespassers in his pen. He kept his massive flank pressed to the oak beams of the fence, staying as far away from them as he could. The girl, Han, kept her eyes on the boar, hiding the knife she held against the folds of her skirt. It was a long slender blade, old, honed often and very, very sharp. Her milky blonde hair was plaited in a crown around her head. She wore her oldest work dress and a coarse homespun apron stained rust at the hem. Though she was two years his senior, her brother, Nut, dwarfed her. He was six feet six inches tall, barrel-chested, but at 14 years old, barefaced. Behind the siblings stood a large round tub, empty and waiting, and a long-handled wooden spoon. Han was glad for the cold October air. It tamped down the stench of the pig's mud. The boar shifted his weight, pawing at the ground. With a sudden scrape and a bang, the door to the old farm cabin swung open. The bow-legged farmer hurried towards the pig pen. Stop, he called. Girl, get out of here. Han kept her gaze fixed on the hog. Their father, Amund, came hobbling out of the farmhouse behind the farmer. Hush now, you'll startle the pig. Their father's part in the butchering was to keep the farmer inside until the work of killing was finished. He always brought a jug containing a few pulls of apple wine to share. Neither Amund nor his children wished to be found out by their neighbors, for they were Knightson. Calm down, Amund called to the farmer. You'll spoil the kill. I didn't know you meant to have a girl aid in the butchering, the farmer protested, his face red with fear and anger. I never would have agreed to it. She's just there to help collect the blood. Don't worry. The hog snorted and fretted. He did not like this commotion, and he did not like the two silent blonde siblings staring at him from inside his own pen. Amun caught up the farmer. He raised his right hand, the hand with only two fingers and a thumb remaining, bidding the farmer to slow down. The sight of Amun's deformity was enough to still the man for a moment. You won't be sorry you hired us. Now come, let's go have a drink, Amun told the farmer. He'll kill her. He mauled my son, the farmer said. That's why I hired the work out in the first place. Amun began to speak again, but the farmer changed tactics, calling to the girl. Young miss, come out of there. Don't be foolish. 
I'll not let you get killed, not on my land. But Han continued to ignore him. She could feel the anger of the hog growing, his irritation at the farmer's voice edging him towards action. His breath was steaming in the air. Nut, Han said, the pig's taking too long. You'll have to provoke him some. I don't want to, her brother said softly. Han knew Nut would have liked to have hold her hand, but the bigger beast scared him. He wouldn't dare reach out for her hand at the sight of their father. Get on with it, children, Amon called. Come out, I say, the farmer shouted. The boar snorted and wheeled around. He was becoming confused. Han didn't want that. She wanted him mean and focused. You've got to make him charge you, she hissed to Nut. Come on now, he must attack you. Nut made a weak movement toward the hog. You must do better than that. Hey, she yelled. She picked up a clump of mud and threw it at the animal's head. The boar snorted and pawed the ground. Yell, Nut, she ordered. Yah, pig, Nut yelled. He feigned a dart forward, startling the animal. The hog lowered his head and finally charged Han's brother. A cry went up from the farmer, who rushed forward to help. Amund held out his crutch to restrain him, smacking the man across the chest. Moving as fast as lightning strike, Han put herself between the hog and her brother. The reek hit her as the beast's tremendous bulk bore down on her. She threw herself forward, grabbing the pig around the neck. Her body was yanked parallel to the ground by the momentum, and her legs snacked up. The hog swerved around Nut, trying to run away from Han, but she looked she hooked a leg over the pig's side. Her sense of the animal's anatomy sharpened, as it always did before the kill. Her pupils were fully wide, as if she had black eyes, not blue, and she knew without looking where the jugular vein lay. With one arm clutching the pig's neck, she used her other hand to sink the thin blade into the flesh under the pig's ear. The knife seemed to move on its own, slicing through the fatty meat until Han's wrist was buried deep in the pig's throat. There, the jugular was severed, and the blood began to fountain. Han's hand was pushed out by the geyser of hot, slippery liquid. The hog came to a skid, body jerking, legs still trying to charge. Get the bucket, Han called to Nut. The farmer wanted the blood collected. If it wasn't stirred while it was hot, much of the sweetness would be lost, and the sausage wouldn't taste as good. Nut wiped tears away from his eyes with his sleeve as he hustled over. He was shaken by the killing. He always was. But he brought over the blood pan and set it down. Han pushed off the hog's slick back. She dropped the knife into the wide front pocket she'd sewn for this purpose. She wiped her hands on her apron. Nut now did his part. He grabbed the boar by its hind feet and lifted it up. He grunted and strained, his face becoming red as he angled the beast's heads to send the blood into the waiting tub. Ah, the farmer cried out in wonder. To lift a hog that way was impossible for most men. Even two or three men would have to drag a beast that size on the ground. How could this boy lift it? The farmer began to recite the Lord's Prayer. Amun snorted. You'll see, he said, waving his stump at the pan of the blood. Best blood sausage you'll ever make. And the meat, delicious. Hun knelt in the dirt beside the tub. She brushed off her hands and reached into the tub to locate the spoon. She pulled it out and began to stir. The blood splashed, then slowed to a steady flow. It ran like syrup, but the width of the stream swelled rhythmically with the final heartbeats of the swine. The pig's eye was glossed over, even though his forehoof still twitched. Nut's muscles strained and shook. He was sweating freely now steam rising from his broad back like mist off morning waters. Han became aware of the hunger building in her belly. 
Her father had brought her two loaves of brown bread and half round of cheese in an old gunny sack. He knew the price she would pay for using her nyet, her gift. Nut hefted the boar up again, resettling the grip on its hooks. The steam of blood was thinning now. Soon, Nut could rest the hog and the butchering would begin. Han saw the carcass begin to stiffen. Sometimes when her father was not watching, she would sing to the beast as it died. This made Nut feel better. And if Han allowed herself to admit it, it comforted her as well. Today, their father watched, leaning against his crutch. He had an eye on his children while the farmer brought a cauldron of boiling water outside with shaky hands. Amon spoke to the farmer quietly, promising a discount if the farmer kept Han and Nut's working methods to himself. Today, the hog went without a blessing. They had traveled to Norheismund by foot. The road was nothing but a cart track, and the journey had taken them two hours. Their path homeward to Oyest was downhill, but Han felt so tired. It was as if she were wading through mud with leaden skirts. By the time they reached the outskirts of their town, the light was beginning to go blue, and Han tucked her hands into her armpits to warm them. She ought to have brought her mittens. The lanolin from the good lamb's wool would have soothed her chapped fingertips. The mittens were the last thing her mother had made for her, and she was trying to preserve them. They wouldn't last forever. Han was thinking of what she might barter for some nice soft yarn. Her sister, Sissel, needed mittens, and Nut needed new socks. She could send Nut to work for the Pedersons one morning early, before their father awoke. Amun didn't like loaning out services of his children, unless the coins came directly to his pocket. But Nut's work as a farmhand was what was keeping Hond and her siblings fed for the most part. The stingy allowance Amund gave Hond to cover groceries and dry goods was never enough, never half enough. Her older brother Steig could use another pair of socks as well to take with him to America. He said there was no more room in his bag, but Han could fit one more pair of socks. Steig was planning on taking his books with him, and Han thought he shouldn't need books as much as he would need socks. Han was thinking about Mrs. Pedersen's good black wool when they walked around the bend of the hill and came upon another party. Climbing up toward them were three students returning to their homes. She remembered them from school. Oscar Olsen, his little brother, and Linnea Solberg. Oscar's bright eyes sparked as he recognized her, and he grinned that old side-crack grin that she loved to see at school. Good evening, he said to them. Yeah, yeah, Amun said. Give us the path, we've been working all day. The three students stood to the side. Han kept her eyes on the ground. Amun hobbled past them. Han saw Zlinia's soft, pale hand clutching Oscar's arm. Two sets of books were bundled together, hanging from a bookstrap in Oscar's hand. Nut lumbered past them, giving them a nod and a shy hello. Oscar's little brother skipped ahead, his smile happy and carefree. Are you well, Han? Oscar asked as she walked by him. Han glanced up, startled, meeting his eye. She saw Linnea's nose wrinkle in distaste. Han realized now she must smell raw pork and awful. I'm well enough, Han said. She did not ask after his health. We see your brother Stike at school, in Sissel, but you and Nut do not come. Why is this? He asked. Oscar's eyes followed his, her father's retreating shape. Amun's wretched, bent form did nothing to deny his bad temper. I'm needed at home these days, and Nut is not much for book learning, she said. Oscar placed his hand on Han's arm. She jerked away from his touch. He dropped his hand to his side and spoke in a low voice. But Han, 
Are you all right? Are you treated well? Han darted her eyes to her father, hobbling down the darkened path. She didn't dare stop any longer. I am fine, Oscar. Thank you for asking. She looked up at his face. His brows knit with concern for her and remembered how he had hung, out, hung around in the schoolroom at recess instead of playing with the other boys outside. How he used to bring hawthorn leaves into the schoolroom and stick them in her braids just to tease her. He was a kind young man and smart. And out of reach for her, now until forever. Linnea tightened her grip on Oscar's arm. Han tore her eyes from Oscar's face and stumbled behind her father and her brother. You're slower than me, for heaven's sake, her father groused as she had caught up. The next time we work, as soon as the door to the farmhouse closes, get the animal moving. What were you waiting for? Sorry, father, she said. You want people to know what we are? To come hunt out with us with our pitchforks the way they did our ancestors? No, father. She must have scowled or made an unpleasant face because her father stopped and pointed his walking stick at her. I didn't make you a berserker, girl, he snarled. It's not my fault Odin blessed our forefathers with the night. Han did not like to speak of the night at all, much less outside and so close to town. She nodded, keeping her head lowered. After a moment, her father resumed the slow walk home. The night was an ancient blood gift, a pagan Viking gift from Odin to his three favorite kings to be carried in their lineage. A child with the night on both sides of his or her family might manifest one of six eerie powers at puberty or might receive no night at all. Odin had bestowed the night upon these kings. Han's aunt, Odd, had told her once to create unstoppable raiding parties. Shipwright, Oarbreaker, and Stormrend, these gifts were meant to help the Vikings cross the seas. Once ashore, the berserkers and the shield-skinned warriors were nearly undefeatable. They massacred the enemy while the ransackers found and looted any treasure to be had. What good was it now to be one of the Nidison? They were not Vikings. They did not sail to foreign lands to plunder and pillage. They were just commoners, trying to hide their differences and earn a living. Han looked back over her shoulder. She saw the silhouettes of her former schoolmates approaching the top of the hill. Pity how that family's gone to seed since their mother left, Linnea might be saying to Oscar. You think Han would be able to keep up with the laundry at least? I've never seen in such a dress that dirty. For one moment, Han allowed herself to imagine what it would be like to be Linnea Solberg, to have a head full of history or mathematics and be walking home arm in arm with Oscar. She imagined how it would feel to be striding over the hill to a fine, strong home and not down to a dark, damp stone house that was slowly falling to pieces. Linnea would sleep on clean sheets and in the morning, put her feet into stockings that would be mend along with elegant darling, darning if they had had any holes to begin with. As for Han, her heel was scraped raw where her sock had worn through. Han walked on, hating her dirty dress, her old mended shoes, her coarse wraps. She hated her jealousy. She hated how, who she was for her night, her gift, was the reason their mother had finally given up and gone away. All right, that's the end of chapter one. Chapter two picks up on page 11 if you'd like to continue reading.